All right, everybody, welcome to Mind the Gap, Enablix's only podcast about closing the gap between sales and marketing. Uh, my name is Nick Zeke Lopez, Marketing and Enablix. And today I'm joined with Will Devlin, SVP of Marketing and Message Gears. How's it going, Will? Nick, it's great to, to be here on the only Enablix podcast. You guys used to have like four or five. This is the only yeah, one. Yeah, th- we were flooding the market. I, th- I think we had upwards of like 70 or 80 at one point, but, but we decided to, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> to hold it back. <laughs> yeah. uh, Got it. Now, now, Will, you're a household name. Every, yes. Like everybody knows Will <laughs> Devlin. But for those that don't, for the people that don't know who Will Devlin is, uh, what's your story? What's your background? For the people that don't know who Will Devlin is, what are you doing with your life? Um, so, uh, yes, I, I'm the head of marketing at Message Gears. I have been there for a little over seven years now. Um, I've, I've seen the company grow up quite a bit. And uh, prior to that, was with another software company in, in marketing. So I've been on the B2B SaaS marketing side for a little over a decade now. Um, and then before that, I cut my teeth on the retail side, uh, running e-commerce for a couple of brands, uh, Overton's, which is a boating accessories company, and Gander Mountain, which is a outdoors or was an outdoors retailer um, based in the Midwest. So you, you went very outdoorsy boating straight into SaaS straight into multi-channel marketing <laughs> the, the natural path right um the yeah so like overton's corporate uh it was a catalog company for boating you know boating accessories and water sports equipment and i went to school at east carolina and overton's corporate center was based in the same town as, as east carolina and so a lot of people that didn't want to go work you know, retail or in a restaurant or something would work in Overton's call center during the summer because it was very seasonally, you know, their, their big season was obviously in the spring and summer. And so, um, that's how I got my foot in the door there. So you are at message gears. Now you said you've been there for seven years. Uh, what is message gears? What, what do you do there? So message gears, um, is a customer marketing platform, which essentially means we deliver marketing software to really big, uh, consumer-facing brands. So if you get marketing emails from brands like Best Buy, Home Depot, Chick-fil-A, Expedia, et cetera, or if you have their app and, and you get like push notifications or text messages, there's a good chance it's coming through our software that Message Gears is powering that. We have a, a unique solution that's built specifically for that really, really large, really high volume, really data mature brand I'm the head of marketing. I've always been the head of marketing. I started in 2014 as their first marketing hire. Uh, it was a, a few engineers and one salesperson that they had hired a couple of months prior, and they needed some marketing help. And so that was the that was why they hired me. They, they needed uh, they knew nothing about marketing, knew nothing about how to get the word out, and uh, that's that's where I came in. And that's where I want to. Sp- spend a lot of time talking today is, is you came in as as the first marketing person and like you said there was marketing person and sales person uh, mm-hmm. what do you what do you do in that kind of environment how do you decide what to do how do you how do you work with sales like is it a push is it a pull um, at, when you're when you're that small before you even bring anybody in it's just maybe the two of you or the three of you what is life like you know, it's um, I focused on what I knew that I could do well and could control, and also because at the time our CEO was one of the co-founders who was very tech tech focused, 
co-founder, so he didn't have a lot of experience in building businesses. Uh, fighting for budget for marketing was was difficult, and so I just knew that I was going to be hacking together a lot of stuff to you know the, the fake it to you make it model of uh, making message gears look and feel and sound bigger than we were, and nobody needed to know um, that we were you know six people and <laughs> didn't really know what we were doing. Nobody needed to know that in those early days, and so it it was a very collaborative relationship with the sales leader because it had to be there was we were the only two people that really spoke a lot of the same language and were really tasked with bring revenue into this organization like that's what you got to do so i i came in and focused very much on output and deliverables i focused on let's make sure the website has a bunch of stuff on it let's make sure we have a blog that we start up let's start posting on social media let's do some events that we can afford. <laughs> but then there, that w- there was really not a lot of sophistication beyond that. And it really was a lot of hacking things together and learning learning how to use Adobe's creative suite to create one sheeters and case studies and things like that. It was it was a lot of my own writing and my own going to Shutterstock and finding stock photography and and trying to make it look like we had a whole team of people doing it. But there wasn't any real sophistication in, in you know how we generated demand, how we you know know marketing automation, branding, product marketing. None of that was really. We focused. I focused specifically on assets and content at the time, and then paired with our sales lead on how do we get this in front of the right people? How do we how do we tell the right story? How do we get people excited? Yeah, and it's funny because it was almost like you're ahead of time with that because now I think that at the time you know, five years ago to seven years ago, it was, it was very much automation, chat, you know, chat bots, get them in the, and now the, the pendulum swinging back to just make and distribute content. If you just focus on content, that's the important part. My question for you is like, so, so, all right, so you're that small and, and you're focusing on content. How do you know, like at that point, are you held to like, you know, KPIs like like hey here's how many MQLs I'll bring in with this white paper right because you you only have a, like you said you only have a limited amount of time you're learning Adobe Suite to, to get as much stuff out there <laughs> as you can how do you project either to your sales team or to your boss who might not know sales marketing what you're gonna do or is it just trying to convince them that this is the thing to do right now and the results will come in but you're not sure what they are what, what is that like for you? Yeah, in those early days, it was very much the latter. Like it was very much like we're going to put this stuff out here. We think this is going to work. I, you know, I don't know. We have no history to go off of, so I don't know how successful it's going to be. So yeah, it was very much like let's try these things and see if anything happens, positive or negative, and we can learn from it. And so it was really, you know, more of building a story to then fight for. See, we need more resources. We either need more budget or we need more bodies or whatever the case may be. Because we can find success if only we could do more of these things. So early mm-hmm. on, it was very much, you know, just trying to prove prove a case uh, for budget and and resources. As we got bigger over the you know next couple of years, and then certainly as we brought in a, a more seasoned executive, that changed, and it was very very much like, look, we're trying to grow by X percent this year. Let's really hone in on what works versus what doesn't um, and and invest in those good areas. Yeah, I, I think that's a struggle that, you know, I feel and I think a lot of people feel too is is in marketing experimentation is so important. But when you're one of one or one of two or three, 
how much time can you really spend on experimentation versus just getting something out the door and not being able to A-B test or experiment or see if it's the right thing? You're almost caught in a tension between two different ways of trying to find the best thing and going out with the thing you have. Well, as a marketer too, you're preaching, you know, especially in, in email and marketing automation. We, we, the content we were writing was all about test and measure and, you know, and, and yet we were really just pushing a bunch of stuff out there early on to see what worked because that was literally the capacity we had. That was all of it. Um, so obviously, uh, you did pretty well. Uh, you guys are growing. You're much bigger than you were six, seven years ago. So along the way, how did you, you know, in a big question, how did you grow with sales? But, but tell me about where you are now and then kind of walk me there. How did you grow? What were some missteps you made? What, what were some good decisions that, that you think you would do again? I think big uh, lessons learned for me, was, there, there were two of them, um, was managing up and, and speaking up. Managing up is a little bit, you know, making sure that my boss, the CEO, knew of all the things that I was learning, that my team was learning, that we were working on. You know, sometimes when you're in the trenches and you're just trying to get things done, you you forget not everybody has that context of like, not everybody has the visibility. And so providing that update to my boss and the rest of the executive team on a regular basis took me a long time to figure out like how to do that properly. And then I would say just, you know, the I always felt unqualified to weigh in on, on sales processes, especially because I was not a sales, never been in sales. I've always been in marketing. And so even if I didn't understand or didn't necessarily agree with like, oh, we should be doing this, we should be doing that, I would bite my tongue because I'm like, you know, look, as marketers, we know literally everybody has an opinion on what we do. Like you put something out there you spent months planning for and somebody was like, why did you choose that color or font? And you're like, listen, th- there's so much more that went into this. Thanks for your input. Um, so I didn't want to be that guy for sales. And um, I now know that I, I should speak up. Uh, it's, it's a key part of marketing success is to to be in line and lockstep with sales. I mean, it's funny because that right, that right there is the gap. That right there is you feeling like, oh, in marketing, shouldn't comment on sales. But but it's it's the same thing, right? It is exactly the same thing. Yeah. How would you, so, so you had to do it again, right? So you got a, a market person and a salesperson. Let's say, let's say you're talking to uh, a team of two teams of one. How, how do you, how do you bridge that early on? You know, I, I think I would do it very similarly to, to how we did it. I mean, joining forces the way we did and just like looking at each other and saying, how are we going to do this? And recognizing at the time, like, look, I'm going to be responsible for, giving you a storyline and building a deck for you and having some supporting content and everything. And you're going to be responsible for getting in that meeting and knowing when to, you know, bob and weave and, and strike. And so it was that collaboration was, was really good up front. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to stick around for seven years at, at message gears. We've, we've cycled through a lot of sales leaders in that amount of time. So I haven't had the same luxury and I don't think a lot of people get that same luxury of like having two people grow and grow their teams together. Somebody's going to end up leaving and you know, you, you got to start from scratch on building a relationship. But I do think we're, we're trying to do the same thing. So my success is their success and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it is interesting. We, especially when you, when you come to talking about what to focus on, we recently had, uh, Christina Libby, she's the CMO at Hypergiant, and she had said that, you know, the company is a brand, 
And the brand is not defined by marketing, right? The brand is the, the company. Um, mm-hmm. In her case, it came from the CEO. But I, I think that it can't come from marketing. It can come from a lot of places. But what you're really doing as sales and marketing is you're just trying to live that brand in different ways, right? As silly as it sounds, right? Like it sounds like super high minded, um, <laughs> but like, like I can, I can almost see that too. Of like you say, you're saying, yeah, I'm, you're almost doing that, right? Like, like you had just said the sales thing with Bob and Weave, right? Like this is how you're doing it. This is how you're reflecting our, our, what are our values or whatever we do, or, like the way that you are in the world. And I'm going to be covering you from a different way. Mm-hmm. How do you, what are your thoughts on how you measure, especially when you're that small? how you measure marketing's uh, abilities or the things that, that the marketing's contributing versus sales. Do you draw a line? How do you draw the line? Um, early on, especially, it, was not, uh, and it wasn't very territorial because it was collaborative. I think the, it gets territorial as you scale and as teams get bigger and incentives may be disaligned. You know, people's behavior is definitely driven by incentive. And so if, you know, the sales group is compensated one way and marketing is compensated a totally different way that doesn't align, maybe they should be compensated differently, but they're not, it's not in alignment. Then there's this, this jockeying for, well, we drove, we we had a bigger impact on that being revenue versus marketing. So we should, we should get the credit. And I mean, this is why they're attribution, you know, software companies out there because everybody's asking these questions, right? Like everybody's trying to figure that out. But I think early on, it was very much like we got this and it is hard to, to maintain that spirit as you scale from two people to trying to do it to a hundred people trying to do it. That's, that's a tough, tough task. You know, it, it, to that point, uh, I want to kind of get into transition here into looking forward, some of the current trends about how to bridge that gap and, and, and what's going on. I'll start with a trend just to that is is I'm seeing companies hire, you know, you could call a chief revenue officer, you could call a chief commercial officer, but basically a single person who owns all of marketing and sales. And it's their, it's, it's basically their job to make sure that incentives don't get misaligned. What do you think about the, the idea of combined sales and marketing organizations? Do you think that's going to be a thing going forward? I think, you know, the spirit of having a chief revenue officer or a revenue leader is... I think it's the right spirit. You know, in practice, it's it's more complicated, right? Because there are things in marketing that don't directly tie to revenue that are a little bit more flowery or loose or whatever you want to call it, right? And then there's other areas within the org that that are definitely revenue focused, like CS and and retention and and growing your teams and things like that. So I do see more teams trying to to have a leader focused on revenue, and then. You know, from an executive standpoint and a, a board standpoint, it's it's one throat to choke. It's definitely hard to do that in practice. Like in message gears right now, like we have sales and partnerships under the CRO, but marketing is separate. Even though marketing owns a lot of the demand gen practices that feed the sales team, so it's, it's difficult. You know, you, you just you had mentioned something flower. You know, like like the flowery parts of marketing. I was in a panel the other day where someone had mentioned that. You know, they, they have to, they they feel like it's a struggle to convince their CEO to, you know, build brand. And that, that kind of struck me because I'm like, well, aren't you only building, like, why are you building a brand if you don't think it's going to make more revenue, right? Like, I don't think we're doing yeah. it because it's fun, even if it might be fun. <laughs> so I'm imagining something like, you know, uh, you're going to redesign your website at some point. Uh, I'm sure. I'm not saying they have a bad website. I'm sure everybody's redesigning the website. I'm going to, I'm going to stop with this, but you're going to redesign the website. How would you, and do you 
pin that in any way to mar- to to revenue, uh, or, or do you just simply say, "Hey, I get a certain amount of of resources that I think is going to raise the tides and is is unattributable." Yeah, that. I mean, it, everything you do should. I mean, it should tie back to we're trying to grow grow this company and grow revenue. But it is hard to tie back like, oh, I'm going to, you know, do a new website, um, or we're gonna even internally corporate culture type things like we are going to go um, to a brewery and and to an axe throwing thing as a company like those those things all the goal is make people happy or make the path easier and the, but the end result is still like we're trying to make more money here um, mm-hmm. and so like that is you can't tie every every individual dollar at that point because it's very difficult so it is a if we're going to go redo the website that's not coming from a budget that is like demand gen focused. Um, it is sort of a, a cost of doing business and marketing focus. Um, sure. So, so uh, let's talk about another, a couple other trends uh, going forward. I'm seeing a huge spike right now in revenue operations, RevOps. Um, uh, you know, a year ago, and every, everybody's talking about it. Is that going to stick around? Um, and why or why not? Yeah, I think it is. I think as businesses get more mature and get more data savvy, data centric, whatever you, whatever buzzword you want to say. I mean, I think having a leader focused on or having a department, a function focused on all the tools working together and all the data going, moving back and forth is really important. And so that's just definitely what I don't see that going away. We're investing in that. And that also prevents different teams from going and buying their own tools and then nobody knows oh that tool exists how does that play with this other thing like there's one department focused on making it making it happen uh recent had recently had nelson uh, uh goliath on the podcast uh who who very uh strongly felt that um the sdr function should go away and that and that sales will uh, stop having commissions or quotas in favor of salary plus bonus thoughts oh man it's interesting um you know, we'll, we'll have a number. I think demand gen should have a number, right? Like if, if we're, again, holding other teams accountable, demand gen, part of that. Um, I go back to it's tricky, right? Um, because if that comp is misaligned, then there's a lot of people, and we've seen this before, where it's like, you know, oh, that there's multiple paths that person took, and they that span partners and sales and marketing and customers and everything. And so who gets credit for what? And there's a lot of what our revenue leader calls ambulance chasing, which I, which I tend to agree with. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of that. And so I think it's an interesting thought. I think it, I do think demand gen should have a number and be held accountable for that and rewarded for beating it. I, I just like other teams. Um, Let's talk demand gen. How is demand gen different than sales? Because I see demand, demand gen is popping up. I, the, the, the demand for demand gen, the demand demand gen gen, uh, is is uh, incredible right now. Is that not just sales though? Like how is how is it different? Well, you know, I I see it in two ways. Like I, you know, it is the filling the top of the funnel and then setting sales up with the. And when I say sales, I mean account executives, you know, closers. Um, so it is our job as a demand gen org, and that spans marketing, that spans business development, sales development, whatever you want to call. That also spans partners at some level. To make sure we're getting the message in front of what we think are the right people at the right time, and then getting those signals converted into, 
you know, is, is this a real sales opportunity is, you know, is this person browsing on our website or coming to our webinars? Is that a real opportunity or are they just learning? And once we're convinced that there's a real sales opportunity, then it's great. We've done our job. Now we're a supporting role, you know, where we're helping to, to close that, but it's, it's then being led by sales. So that's how I view it. I view demand gen as very much top of the funnel and sales is very much closing that. Any any other thoughts? Uh, anything to plug? Anything to talk about as we wrap up here? Uh, look, I'm a big fan of big fan of Enablix. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, that, is that good? Uh, 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 I, I think so, I think some of the listeners would say gratuitous. Yeah, um, <laughs> big, big fan of Enablix. Um, no, we we have uh, we, we we benefit greatly from from Enablix from an organizational standpoint. And uh, look, if uh, we are uh, Nick's old podcast in gear um which is a uh, a message gears produced podcast will be starting back up in january and i will be i will be leading executive one-to-one conversations with uh marketers just learning about their jobs learning about what their day-to-day is like learning about how they learn about their customers and um you know i find it very fascinating when we get to talk to to marketers and leaders in in uh, different organizations about how they approach their jobs and I think other people will also find it fascinating. So look for that in gear, a play on words, which um, I'm not sure I can take credit for, but I will. So. I mean, you can. You're the only one here. So <laughs> <laughs> you can take credit for anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Ladies and gentlemen, Will Devlin. Thank you, Nick. This was a pleasure. Appreciate it. This has been Mind the Gap a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by Enablix. My name is Nick Zeke Lopez. Thanks for listening.